This is Sound and Vision from KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. Today's story is about accessibility at music venues and how many spaces in Seattle and beyond aren't equipped to get wheelchair users in venues or on stage. We'll hear from venues, performers, and concert goers on this issue. And first up, I'd like to introduce you to... I'm Mindy Lind, and um, who am I? Well, I'm I'm Mindy. <laughs> From about 2009 till 2018, Mindy Lind used to sing and play piano at shows about once a month around Seattle. I got to play a show with Ben Folds, which was very neat and cool. I went on tour with Lena Dunham for her book tour and got to play Sasquatch Music Festival. But I'm always hungry and fed and I'm gonna die trying. In this music video for her song Hungry and Fed, you see Mindy gracefully moving through a brick-lined basement that looks like a library or school storage room. She swirls in circles, does a handstand in order to sit on a chair, and climbs to the top of a desk high in the air that's stacked on top of another desk. And she does it all without legs. The problem with disability isn't that I have no legs. It's that I have no legs in a world of stairs, right? For a while, Mindy used a manual wheelchair. When I moved to Seattle, I was very much in my like athletic wheelchair phase of my life, um, where I had a wheelchair with camber, which is the wheels that go out. Pretty, there's like athletic Barbie, um, athletic wheelchair Barbie was the vibe. <laughs> but she's probably best known for using a skateboard to get around. It all started with a road trip from Seattle down the West Coast. When we packed the car to the brim, it was like a two-seater with three people. And it's like, what are we going to do about the wheelchair? Cool, let's strap it to the top of the car. And then it's like, well, <laughs> when you're taking like gas station pee breaks, it's a lot of rigmarole just for two minutes. And so my boyfriend at the time said, use my skateboard. And that was kind of, we took a road trip down the 101 and landed in L.A. And that was like three weeks of my introduction to like using a skateboard out in the wild. And then I started to slowly over the next five years, like integrate it. And at that point, it was like all skateboard for about 10 years, all skateboard all the time. That's all I used. Mindy got creative with how she maneuvered her body in the world. Getting into music venues was usually a challenge. Most music venues in Seattle are old and have stairs somewhere in them, and getting onto stage usually involves climbing up at least three steps. So even to get to shows, I was kind of already used to, like, hopping out of my chair, having somebody, like, carry the chair. Like, the chair was less than 10 pounds. And I also, at the time, was using a skateboard, too. So skateboard made it really easy for me to get into inaccessible buildings. So stairs weren't a big deal. I would just kind of throw it down the stairs or carry it up the stairs with me. So I'm doing a lot of, like, power agility moves, like total no leg which is really fun and cool. And you know, when you're younger, you get off on that shit. Like, proving to everybody that you are, like, not what you think and better. So every time I played a show, it was a bunch of obstacles to get there, but they weren't obstacles for me at the time because I had a lot of privilege in my body. I had a lot of agility. I had the ability to not interact with the ADA because I wasn't even using a wheelchair. Eric Hawk is a wheelchair user who plays guitar in the Grammy award-winning band Portugal The Man. There's been situations where I've been 
chariot carried through an audience. And, you know, there's been situations that I've been dropped down side stairs going up to stages and kind of every scenario imaginable. So, I mean, you have performed all over the world. And I understand that you have a list of like a rating system of how accessible venues are. Oh, you know are? about my rating system. <laughs> yeah. The rating system did really interesting things to my anxiety. I kind of got a little disheartened by it, if I'm honest, because, you know, you'd see that a venue would have every badge on their Yelp page or on their Google results of being accessible. And then I'd show up and the stage would be up a flight of stairs or the green room would be down a spiral staircase or whatever it is. Hawk's rating system was color-coded. Red was worst-case scenario in terms of accessibility, but most venues were yellow. He could make do, usually with the help of his bandmates or venue staff, putting in some extra physical labor. More than the vast majority, like 99% of stages that we play, I get carried up onto. Hi, my name is Jess. I am a manual wheelchair user, and I go to a lot of shows. And I also have a photography project called Shoes at Shows in Seattle. Jess Perano has a mental checklist she goes through before seeing a show. She goes to a local show every week or two in town. You usually find her in the front of the stage, eye level with performer's shoes. That's where she takes her photos and uploads them to her Instagram page. She loves live music, but each show requires a lot of mental calculations on her part. It started with like, oh, can I get to the show Am I transiting there? Is my partner and I, are we going to drive? Are we going to have to park far away? And then do I have to wheel there? Is the venue on a hill? Is this a venue that is accessible? It's on the ground level. There's no difficult ramps or stairs. But yeah, getting into the venue is a, is a big deal. A lot of the times, whether or not I could just wheel in on my own or if I need help getting down stairs at something like Barboza. Let's talk about Barboza for a minute. Most wheelchair users I talked with for this story mentioned Barboza as a very hard venue in town to both see a show at and perform at. Barboza is a small venue in the basement of Numos in Capitol Hill that requires going down 21 steps in order to enter. So my partner Fred stands behind me holding my handles. We pop a wheelie so I am on just my two main wheels and my smaller casters are lifted up so I'm in this kind of tilted position and then we take it step by step. Eric Hawk of Portugal The Man lives in the area, and he's both seen shows at Barboza and performed there. Barboza. I love you so much. I've played there a lot of times. I never want to go down those steps again. This is a rainy city. Those steps become so treacherous, even for the most robust, able-bodied person in the world. And it can be a challenge for even the most robust, able-bodied musicians to get their gear into Barboza. So when Barboza bands are here, they load in through the Numa showroom and then go down these lovely set of stairs. <laughs> My name is Evan Johnson, and I am uh, one of the talent buyers here at Numa and Barboza. Backstage area of Barboza. So we do have a nice ramp that gets folks up to the green room, but then unfortunately there is one single stair to get onto the Barboza stage. For a venue this size, talk about the challenges to like even the idea of making something ADA compliant. Like, what are the biggest challenges to getting there? The biggest challenge is probably the obvious one it's money right like it's uh, i'm no you know elevator expert but i assume they cost a lot of money and venues obviously have gone through a tough time the last few years and and even outside of covid have always been spaces that can make money but can very easily lose money and it's very 
at least for our venues, it's very reliant on touring shows and, you know, just throughout the year, the ups and downs of that. So um, I, I just imagine it's it was has not been one of those things that ownership or anyone really of who, who, who operates venues of this size has been like, wow, we're sitting on all this money. Like, what could we possibly put it towards? So and, and also just like the space, the intention of Barboza of what it is now was never to be an accessible business it was a storage space right and then we just turned it into a, a, a in, into a venue barboza isn't the only basement venue in town but other notable basement venues have accessible workarounds there's madame lou's under the crocodile that you can access from an outside door down a hill there's also belltown yacht club that jess Perano says is accessible through a freight elevator but venues like barboza that require stairs are now completely off limits for mindy lind she can't see shows there, and she can't perform. After decades of relying on her arms to maneuver around, she now uses a very heavy electric wheelchair. I'm using my arms as legs for as long as I can remember. Now I'm 40, and they're like, uh, <laughs> that's a lot, young lady. <laughs> it's just a lot to put your body through. So I can't really, you can't ride around on a skateboard your whole life. But through this whole process, you've started to see spaces a lot differently, I'm mm -hmm, assuming. Mm -hmm. So how would you describe going to see a show now versus mm -hmm. when you were in a skateboard? I can't go to some shows a lot. Just period. Mm -hmm. Adam Green came to town recently and my fiance was so stoked to buy his tickets. And I was like, how do I get in there? And I just, there is no... I can't. Actually, physically, this wheelchair weighs about 400 pounds. There's a flight of stairs to get there. And, like, I can't crawl downstairs anymore. So, like, I feel like saying I can't is fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not a venue that's accessible to folks who can't leave their wheelchairs and have can't have their wheelchairs be picked up. And, by the way, having your wheelchair be picked up to get in a venue isn't accessibility. Accessibility isn't just... Is your space available to me? It is. Is your space available to me in a way that I can also maintain my dignity while I'm there? It's about um, access as well as dignity. Those two things are just as important. So there's just shows I can't go to now. There's entire venues I can't go to. And I would say that's more like a handful, probably 10 to 15 in Seattle. But the venues that I can play in Seattle are it's much worse. Yeah, I was going to say, how many stages do you think you could play if you wanted to in Seattle? I would say two. And some of those venues are big marquees like the Paramount Theater. The Paramount was able to have the funds to renovate and make that 95-year-old venue accessible with ramps and elevators, as explained on a recent tour with house manager Bob Fair. From this portion back was added in the remodel and uh, added an elevator. And uh, everything's pretty much uh, roll on or roll off. And the Neptune Theater, which is owned by the same group as the Paramount, was able to build new accessible bathrooms and create a new ADA viewing area during the pandemic that's now on the main floor instead of the balcony. And the Crocodile added a lift to accommodate wheelchairs in its new main stage area during the pandemic. And the historic Washington Hall added elevators in its big renovation a few years ago. Accessibility is something Seattle venues are looking at right now. A lot of local venues joined an organization called Washington Nightlife and Music Association during the pandemic. That group is surveying venues in the region and state right now to find out where venues are at and what needs to happen in terms of accessibility. 
Mindy Lynn says the solutions for smaller cap venues in Seattle doesn't have to be total renovations that come with enormous costs. They could be as simple as including ramps. It's hard because these are historical buildings, right? So, like, I'm from the music scene. I understand that, like, it was already in trouble and then COVID happened and we're in more trouble. So it's. I don't think that, like... Venues are like amassing large amounts of money and just forgetting about disability. Like I do understand, obviously, costs are issues, but there are specifically ramps created for stages. And so you kind of pull it up and it's there for the time that you play and then you pull it away because unless you want to. And that's like a great temporary solution. If all of Ballard got together and purchased a ramp and they shared it. So there's because you know? there's lots of venues in Ballard. Yeah, there's like three or four in a pretty one block radius, right? So you could walk a ramp over to the Connor Burn from the sunset if you needed to for the night. And like that's a great temporary solution. And it's taken on by the community as a whole. Uh, those kinds of things is where I think we need to start to like really start to put our put our heads together. Portugal demands Eric Hawk also has a few words to say about Ballard venues and ramps. There's a split-level venue um, that I won't name directly in Ballard that uh, when you're loading stuff in, they've got this wooden ramp that they put up to kind of subdivide the levels and allow for, you know, a a graded surface up and down. Once the show starts, they pull it because they don't want anyone tripping over that, which they will, you know, because it's just a, a block on the floor. But that right there proves to me that there's a way to make this work. You know, you could put handrails up on that. You could bolt it into the floor. Bing, bang, boom. Hawk says he sees a lot of ramps go up during load-in and load-out time, but they're nowhere to be found during the show itself. There's a lot of places that I get into. Ramps disappear. I'm stuck in there for five or six hours. Ramps come back out after the show's over. Hawk has played at venues all over the world, and he's seen a few venues, even smaller venues, that have been able to pull off complete accessibility. We just played a a 300-cap room in Washington, D.C. called The Atlantis, and we rolled up, and the first thing that I saw was a barrier-free entrance, ADA bathrooms, and a whole hydraulic lift up to stage in a spot that's like about chop suey size, you know, about new, like it's certainly like a third of Numos. It's also... There's like a there's a theater in St. Paul. I think it's the Palace. And it's this beautiful, I want to call it like a 1200 cap theater. And on the front of it, you've got the facade and you've got the carvings and you've got, you know, the grand sort of entryway and like all the appointments and the charm of like what makes a theater a theater. But then you get to the back end and it's all been retrofitted and it's all been modernized. And from the electrical panels to the plumbing it's all it's all squeaky clean and it's all to code and i wish that was something that more venues were incentivized to do i wish that there was funding available i i think it's great when we historically preserve places like the showbox or when we historically preserve you know these old timer venues that are you know they got charm and charisma coming out of their eyeballs but to say we're going to encase this so that it never changes you're also saying well if it's inaccessible now it's going to be inaccessible in the future and i'm not coming after any historic places that are on the registry like i'm glad that they're there and i'm glad that we have them and i'm glad that we have the history and the character but when you see a place like that theater in, in Minneapolis, it makes you realize that there's 
always something better possible that's going to work out for more folks. Well, the Americans with Disabilities Act has been around since 1990. Eric says spaces in other places of the world without the ADA can sometimes be more accommodating. When we tour abroad, this is not to trash America, but there is a spirit of improvisation of just like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. Let's get it done. And those ramps come out or or the door comes off the hinges or whatever it is. And in America, it's just like, oh, I, you know, there's no way to, to build that up to code. We just we can't afford it or we don't want to or, you know, this building is historically protected, so we don't have to. You know, I think the U.S. for accessibility gets hung up on prohibitive codes and those codes exist for a reason. The ADA is great. It's fantastic. But if people don't want to meet one of them, they're more than likely to not want to meet several of those points of code. So there's not enough room in here to go one out of 12 or one to 10 for for the grade. So we're just not even going to try for a ramp. For Mindy Lind, she's having to explore a whole new world of needing the Americans with Disabilities Act now that she uses an electric wheelchair. And it's making her look at venues much differently. And so now, after I've created my name, a name for myself in the Seattle scene, I'm not able to play shows. I was asked to play a show, and I kept saying no. I kept saying no to all these shows. Why, Mindy, when are you going to play? Why aren't you playing? I, like, didn't know. I couldn't, I didn't really, I was like, I don't know why, but I don't, I haven't been playing. And I just, I would lay awake at night even being like, what is that about? Like, I, I couldn't think of a reason. And then when someone asked me to play a show that I really wanted to play, it became so obvious. I was like, oh, how the f*** am I going to get on the stage? And I couldn't find an answer. I even, like, went to the venue. We tried to work something out. I gave them all kinds of information on how to make it happen. And these are my homies. This is, like, a venue I'm at all the time. And they couldn't make it happen. And it's like, if not them, then who? And just realizing that I am now more impacted. I am now a person who needs to be utilizing the ADA. Mindy Lynn points out that she was born before and went to school before the Americans with Disabilities Act. I went to a performing arts school when I was about eight years old. And in order to get to the performing arts part of the school, I had to climb two flights of stairs. And so they're like, you know, we have dance here, we have theater, we have music classes, and you can pick an instrument and take it home and you can play that instrument. But you have to climb two flights of stairs. We don't have an elevator. And I was like, oh, no problem at all. I got it. See what I can do. And I just did it, right? I just took that on. I wasn't at that point part of the ADA generation that like, and where I am now, which is like actually access to those things is a birthright and I should have those. I was just like, oh, this is how I'm going to get them is by taking on the burden. Obviously, I'm going to go jump at the chance to do it. So I've known for a long time that in order to perform, you have to take all that stuff on. And... Uh, it's just funny. That was before the ADA. I was eight. I'm 40 now. It's 2023. We're woke as f in Seattle. And we just have not yet figured out or even been able to acknowledge our own ableism. Meanwhile, Mindy is doing what she can to spread the word on accessibility, especially in the music world. She wrote an article in The Stranger this year that shares more of her thoughts and stories. The title of that article is I Stop Performing Music Because Venues Are Ableist. For Sound and Vision, I'm Emily Fox. I'm here on top and the
Now, before we go, I wanted to introduce you to just one more Seattle musician who also uses a wheelchair. It's King Chasm. I am co-founder and executive director of 206 Zulu. We're a, a hip-hop-centered a nonprofit community organization using hip-hop as a kind of a platform for education, um, community empowerment, and social justice. 206 Zulu operates out of Washington Hall. King Chasm was a part of the effort to raise funds to renovate the historic building in recent years, which included accessibility features like an elevator. Chasm has used a wheelchair since he was a kid following a car accident, and he's performed across Seattle and around the world in a wheelchair. In 2015, on the 25th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act, he was invited to perform at an event to celebrate the anniversary in Seattle. So he wrote a song about the ADA. It's called Disability. I recently caught up with King Chasm, and I had him talk about the inspiration behind the song. Disability, 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 equity and access, equality practice. Folks with, with disabilities are like kind of the, the largest minority, and it's, it's something that can happen at any point of your life. At any point, they can have an injury, they can have an illness, or, you know, it's, it's a majority minority that's been marginalized and you know there's a lot of systemic issues a lot of poverty and kind of being pushed down into this margin where I mean it's very expensive to be disabled you know the chair that I'm using now is like over thirty thousand dollars some of the features like the the elevation and the tilt they looked at it as a luxury feature and so insurance doesn't want to justify it and to me, it's not a luxury to reach something on the top of the store shelf, and it's really like pretty important for me to do basic things. So yeah, it's it's an expense medication, surgeries. I mean, a lot of folks with disabilities are in extreme poverty and in debt, and um, so you know that song just kind of speaks to kind of some of the different challenges of. Life. A basic civil right I will fight with my might to eliminate discrimination based upon the sight of a person who looks different or might have a condition. Who is she to say that he or she can't work their limits? No need for handouts, we just want a chance for the basic necessities and opportunity that's hindering our children. What about civilians? Think about the people of the world who don't have privilege. Ignore the centuries sent to the slave ward. Label the grip of the worst, even a retard. Taking back the words of Khadib like a shard And empowering the people by the grace of the Lord Move with agility, a marginalized community Improves our resiliency and naturalized urgency Now thankfully we got adaptive technology And a variety of kind of things to help other society Disability, 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 disability Disability, disability, equity and access, equality and practice Disability, 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 disability you might think we just a few, but the stats are really true. 10% of the population has a disability too. That's the largest minority, magnified enormously. 20% of the world's poorest on the planet is damaged. Discarded as the most disadvantaged. Think about the factors that impact this practice. Lack of access, sanitation, medication, education. Only 35% of us have an occupation. In this nation, unemployment is not an option without health care. You might as well get a coffin. Quality of life down the drain, but we ain't stopping. Till the wheels fall off, proceed with caution. Hey, hey, shouldn't we wait for our secret? 
Whether physical or mental, permanent incidental, we gotta make do with that God given potential. If you navigate the block with a cane as you walk, or use sign language to communicate and talk. If your mobility impaired, then use a wheelchair. Throw your hands up like you just do not care. How dare anyone try to take you from this square? To say you listen to him, get the mess out of here. Matter of fact, half these cats ain't even compliant to the needs of environments, ramps, rails, and requirements. A day to the struggle, but we won't be silenced. Thank God for ADA, may we stand defiant. Peace to my amputees, I don't let them stand up. Special Olympians in the gym, stand up. If you have muscular dystrophy, stand up. Or perhaps spinal cord injury, stand up. Spinal bifida, cerebral palsy, stand up. Love to my people who keep them flowers, stand up. If you are deaf, but rock your friends, stand up. We all human, live and we blast, stand up. Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. That was Sound and Vision. If you appreciate what you hear on this podcast, please do me a huge favor and subscribe to this podcast, rate it, and review it. Those little things go a long way in spreading the word about the show. You can also share an episode with a friend. If you want to go the extra mile, you can help financially support the show with a one-time $20 donation at kexp.org sound. But most of all, thanks for listening.